Good morning. Exciting. Last time that I uh, came up here, I, I went right into it. I didn't even introduce myself and uh, thought it was funny. Um, I'm uh, Juan uh, Nieves. I'm with the uh, I'm one of the servant leaders in the fourth uh, Sunday team, and uh, I'm excited to to be up here today to talk to you guys about the second week of Advent. Um, one of the things you'll learn as you uh, attend this church is that there's a real uh, investment into growing leaders and, and, and people to, to uh, uh, be a part of the body. And so that's uh, uh, I'm very privileged for the opportunity to come here and do that this morning for you guys. Um, so uh, to start this off, I, I wanted to review um, uh, what Advent is, if you happen to miss last week with CJ talking about you know, the hope candle and, and the season of Advent. I just thought I'd, I'd kind of go over that just a little bit uh, before we go into uh, the material today. Um, traditionally, the Christian season of Christmas begins on Christmas Eve, and, and it lasts at 12 days until January 6th, where we get our 12 days of Christmas from. Um, uh, as a kid, I always thought, that, you know, Christmas start, you know, the, the, the 12 days of Christmas, I was like, well, well, where did that come from? Well, there's like 25 days, there's like 25 days till Christmas, but uh, um, we, this time before Christmas is what we call uh, Advent, and it's a season of preparation for, uh, for Christmas. And as you know, the word Advent comes from the Latin word Adventus, which means coming or visit, and, and it's in a time of expectant waiting in the church. We are waiting for both Advents of Christ, not just the one in Bethlehem, but the, one, that the second Advent, the second coming, when Jesus uh, uh, is yet to come again to our world. So as Christians in this broken world, waiting for our Savior to come again, you probably don't need me to point out that it's easy for us to spend a little bit of time, uh, spend too much time of our time and money uh, in the secular celebrations of the season and not really focusing on the real meaning of Christmas. And as a, as a parent, I, I wrestle with that because um, the world secularizes a lot of our traditions and we worry, what are our children going to be taking from that? And we hear, you know, Jesus is the reason for the season. But he faces a lot of competition from, <laughs> from retailers, from relatives, from the, all the revelry and, and things that we do. So what can you do? And I believe that Advent may be a way to shine the spotlight back on, on, on what Christmas really means. And, so, uh, and the interesting thing about Advent is you can practice it all the time. So... When you're, when, you're, when you're waiting, you can put yourself in the sandals of the Jews who were waiting for the Messiah. And because there's, if there's one thing that we're not lacking in today's society is waiting uh, and opportunities to wait. So, try this, so one of the things I would challenge you this week to try is to stop when you feel frustration in a store, in traffic, when you're on the phone. And think of that time as an Advent reminder for you. Think about the hope, the mercy, the joy, the faith, the love of God, uh, and consider incorporating that uh, into that time. You can also uh, incorporate some of the Advent traditions, uh, the music uh, activities, into your family. And that's something that you can do together. And one of those traditions is the lighting of the candles. And this week, we're focusing on the mercy candle. Uh, next slide. So... We have uh, uh, several Hebrew and Greek terms that lie behind the English term of mercy. Uh, the chief Hebrew term is hesed, uh, God's covenant 
loving kindness. And the Greek translation, um, the term uh, mercy is most often translated from the Hebrew to the Greek as elios. And so uh, elios is a kindness or goodwill toward the miserable and the afflicted and joined with a desire to relieve them. A, a secular definition that kind of works a little bit more with that is that mercy is the kind, compassionate treatment of an offender, an adversary, a prisoner in one's power, compassion where severity is expected or deserved. Uh, and we have certain synonyms that go along with mercy, like compassion, forgiveness, charity, benevolence, uh, clemency, tolerance. Uh, the primary idea behind mercy is that it's rendering a kindness when harshness or condemnation is expected or even deserved. So a merciful person can look beyond the current. So if you're in a situation, uh, that merciful person would look beyond that current situation to the potential good that may result from his compassionate um, handling of the matter. Uh, he's willing to forego the punishment, uh, the just desserts, if you will, his own desire for revenge in an attempt to produce good fruit from a bad situation. And if you're a parent, you can totally identify with that. You know, <laughs> so the nature of God is to be merciful to those he calls. And uh, if and I didn't put this in my notes, but if you want to turn to first Corinthians or in your Bible or in your app, you can you can pull it up. Let me pull it up here on mine. And I want to read to you from first Corinthians chapter one, verses 26 to 28. And I want to do it from the message because I really like how the message uh, 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 displays it. So I'm going to. rolls it down automatically. Okay. So, take a good look, friends, at who you were when you got called into this life. I don't see many of the brightest and the best among you, not many influential, not many high society families. Isn't it obvious that God deliberately chose men and women that the culture overlooks and exploits and abuses, chose the, these nobodies to expose, expose their hollow pretensions of the somebodies? That makes it quite clear that none of you can get by by blowing your own horn before God. Everything that we have, right thinking, right living, a clean slate, a fresh start, comes from God by way of Jesus Christ. That's why we have the saying, if you're going to blow a horn, blow a trumpet for God. So those who are undesirable in the society's eyes and guilty of sin, uh, we are to extend mercy to them and redeemed them from that death penalty and setting them on the path to eternal life in the kingdom of God. And in doing so, that's, that's, uh, God is trying to set that example for us what to, of what to do. We see God's mercy to us uh, from the sending of his son to die uh, on the cross, but we can also see God's mercy by remembering the mission of John the Baptist. And John's mission was to help people get ready for the coming of the, of the Messiah. And God didn't want anyone to miss out on this. So he sent uh, John the Baptist as a messenger to help people get ready. Um, uh, John the Baptist was Jesus' cousin, all right? Uh, therefore, John's mother Elizabeth was his aunt. And it just so happened that both Elizabeth and Mary, uh, uh, Jesus' mother, were both pregnant at the same time. Now, John was born to aged Jewish parents, Zacharias and Elizabeth. And they were a priestly family, uh, a devoted couple in the hill country of Judea, uh, perhaps in the Hebron area, a priestly city of the region. 
Uh, Luke has a really wonderful summary in chapter 1 about this couple. And he says that they were both righteous before God, walking in all his commandments, all the ordinances of the Lord, blameless. And on the occasion of Zechariah's exercise of his duty, he, uh, he was burning incense in the temple of Jerusalem. He got a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to go into the temple to burn incense. It was something that they would have to do a lottery for. And once you did it, you could never do it again. And he happened to have a very chance encounter with Gabriel, the angel. Uh, Go ahead, next slide. This honor is for you, Zachariah, and your village. Shifty babid adoshem, lachasot banoam adoshem, ulbaker behi cholo. So in that um, encounter, uh, 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 you'll, you'll notice uh, that, it was, that uh, the Gabriel told him that he was going to have a, a son. Um, something to note, uh, what's different in, in Zechariah's response to, to the angel versus Mary's response of, of, you know, like, Lord, how you know, is this going to happen, was that Zechariah was, was, didn't believe it could work versus Mary wanting to figure out how it would work because it was a really different situation. And so um, uh, what ended up clear, uh, so when John was, uh, was uh, uh, when, when John was, concept, uh, John's conception uh, was miraculous, and he was about six months older than Jesus. It was foretold that the child would be filled with the Spirit of God, even from his mother's womb, and he would be reared in the strict code of the Nazarite. 
uh, an indication of the, the, the solemnness of his role in preparing the way for our Redeemer. Um, the scriptures are kind of silent a little bit about what happened to, to John the Baptist's parents. Um, there's, there is speculation and legend that, that Zacharias was, was slain by Herod the Great, and Elizabeth and John would flee into the wilderness. Luke does say that in, in, uh, in, about John in chapter 1, that he grew uh, very strong in the spirit and was in the deserts till the day of his showing into Israel. Uh, the desert area that stretches from Jerusalem uh, uh, and Bethlehem is uh, uh, area stretches from Jerusalem and Bethlehem eastward about 20 miles down the Jordan River and the Dead Sea, and it's a barren region of rugged hills and valleys. So, um, the account that I'm going to be talking about, because uh, what I wanted to do today was was to go into Matthew chapter three, um, and and. Uh, I want to kind of unpack the next 12 verses a little bit here to really get an idea of the of of just what the mercy how that works with the mercy of God, and so we're going to be looking at about four or five aspects of John the Baptist's ministry and unpacking that here today. So if you wanted to follow along in your in your I'll have I have this um, I have the verses here, but if you want to follow along in your Bible, it's uh, Matthew chapter three verses one through twelve that we're going to be going through. So. Uh, now in the days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And the wilderness in this time wasn't exactly desert. Uh, it's hot. Um, it, apart from the Jordan itself, it was very arid, but it was not unpopulated. So there were people out there, and, and John was, was going out there. And it's interesting here that the call to repentance uh, uh, not be neglected. It's actually very, very important. You'll notice something in the Bible. Uh, repentance is literally the first word of every gospel. Uh, repent is the first word of John the Baptist's gospel here in chapter 3. It's the first word of Jesus' gospel in Matthew chapter 4. Uh, first word in the preaching ministry of the 12 disciples in Mark chapter 6. The first word in the exhortation of the first Christian sermon in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. 38, and repent is the first word in the mouth of the Apostle Paul through his ministry in Acts. So repentance is very, very important. And, um, and, 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 and uh, in this, so, uh, and, for, and then the next, the next uh, uh, can, we, can we do the next slide? For this is the one referred to by Isaiah, the prophet, when he said, the voice of, the, uh, of one crying in the wilderness, make ready the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Uh, uh, preparing the way of the Lord, Matthew used a passage all the way back in Isaiah, okay, to, to identify John the Baptist as a, as a prophesied forerunner for the Messiah. And in this role, John's purpose was to prepare hearts for the Messiah, uh, and to bring an awareness of sin to the people of Israel so they could receive salvation uh, that was, that was going to be offered. Uh, in this verse, make his path straight, um, what, what, uh, what, what uh, Matthew was trying to, to quote from Isaiah was building up a great road, an arrival of a majestic king. The idea was to fill in all the holes that were knocked into the road and, and hills that were in the way. Um, the, the, the idea here is that uh, uh, in the, back in the day, uh, it was a practice of the eastern monarchs 
whenever they went on an expedition or a journey, they would send harbingers ahead of them. And their job was to actually level the, the roads, fill in the things, like literally make the path straight so that when the king came through, he, had a, he didn't have to wait or, or be in, impeded by that. So, it, so when he says make the, the crooked way straight, uh, it, it's I mean, you know, he's there to prepare that way for the, for, uh, you can see the parallel with the Messiah coming behind, behind that. Um, the idea of preparing the way of the Lord is a kind of a word picture at, for the real preparation that has to take place in our hearts. Building a road is very much like preparation of God in our hearts. Uh, here. And with Jesus was the coming Messiah, uh, with Jesus being the coming Messiah, John the Baptist was the one that was crying out the wilderness and, and, and uh, through that message of repentance, working to prepare a way for the Lord. And, uh, and, if, and it's interesting to note, we often fail to appreciate how important preparing work of the Lord is. Any great work of God begins with great preparation. And so and you'll be able to see that through, uh, through Scripture. And, and then in the, in the verse here, men's hearts are like the wilderness, wherein there's no way. And so, um, uh, so we are to welcome the Lord with our hearts and, make, uh, uh, and be ready to receive him. Uh, the next, uh, let me see. Yeah, next slide. Then Jerusalem was going out uh, to him, and all of Judea and the district around the Jordan, and they were being baptized by him in the Jordan River. River. Uh, River as they confess their sins. This, this aspect is, the, is to show the success of John's ministry. He was very, very successful. In the, it says here in the verse that in Jerusalem, all Judea um, went out to meet him. And he was met with a wonderful response. There are many people who recognize their sinfulness and their need to get ready for the Messiah, for the Messiah and were willing to do something about it. The, the Jews had been preparing for a Messiah for a very long time. So they're very receptive to the message. Um, uh, and under the blessing of God, John's message of repentance and call for preparation for the Messiah uh, was, you know, bore great fruit. Uh, baptism was for sinners, and no Jew had ever conceived of himself before as a sinner shut out from God. And now for the first time in their history, the Jews realized that they had, they had their sin and they needed uh, to get that right before God. Uh, and there had never been a unique movement of that uh, and search for God uh, uh, in, in their time. So his preaching in the wilderness created a revival movement, if you will, and his followers constituted a significant group within uh, Judaism, um, uh, which maintained its, its uh, uh, existence beyond just the New Testament period. Now, it says all Judea and the region, and, and the term is actually repeated twice there. It's, it's enough to let us know that it's very significant that there were many that, that, that came out to hear him, uh, to hear him speak. And, uh, and, and, to be, and, and they were baptized. Um, uh, the next part of that. And they were baptized. With baptism, John was offering a, very, a ceremonial washing, uh, to con- uh, washing that confessed sin and did something to demonstrate their repentance. Um, uh, with repentance is, is not a feeling that you have. It's an action that you take uh, to show it. And when he was going out preaching, he was trying to reach their hearts and... Uh, by baptizing them, he, could, he, he gave them a, uh, something that they could do to show that they were repenting and going towards, towards God. Um, and I had a chance to talk about baptism. Uh, I won't go into it in, in this one, in, in, another, in another talk. 
but um, just that, that whole process of baptism is a very unique and, and, and wonderful experience for, for, for a believer, and it's the first time that you preach the gospel as a believer uh, when you're baptized. It's a very exciting uh, uh, thing. So I encourage you, if you have not uh, looked into baptism or, or, or know much about it, that, that um, um, you, you, can, you talk to us and, 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 and we can and, uh, talk to you about that. Um, so when he then uh, let's do the next one okay. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, "You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore, bear fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not suppose that you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham for our father. For I say to you that from these stones God is able to raise up the children of Abraham." The axe is already laid at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Uh, this section is kind of uh, John's confrontation with the religious leaders of, of the time. Um, there are some things to note about the, the Pharisees. I'll go over kind of four points with them. They believed that they were the ones that made righteous by keeping the law. And they believed themselves to be righteous because of that. And they often misinterpreted the law many, many times. They held traditions that they thought were on equal footing with Scripture, and they were often hypocrites in their practice. They neglected the core and the spirit of the law for appearing to, to uh, observe it. And so um, uh, when, when, uh, when John the Baptist sees them coming, because, again, everyone was hearing John the Baptist preaching. People went out to see him, and the religious leaders you know, uh, uh, were hearing it. They wanted to kind of show, oh, yeah, we're, we're repenting too out here. And, and John sees them for what they are. He says, you brood of vipers. Uh, and John accused them, the leaders, of wanting to appear anxious for the Messiah, but not really repenting in their hearts and preparing them. And, uh, and so John was, de- was telling that, you know, demanding fruit of, of repentance. You know, you, you need to actually change. Um, many of the Pharisees and Sadducees may have come for the baptism with... In their, with the hypocritical nature that, that characterized all their other religious activities. And they were showing the world how they were going to be ready, but they hadn't repented. Um, it has to be a matter of living repentance and not just talking about it. Uh, and of course, the Jewish, poli- uh, the Jewish people believed in the wrath that was going to come. Uh, the difference was who were the targets of that wrath. You know, they conceived their judgment as concerning all the heathen people around them, not, not them. Uh, all the godless in Israel. And we can learn a lot from uh, what, what John the Baptist was talking about from fleeing the wrath to come. Because uh, the, uh, the wrath is the wrath of God. It's fair and well-deserved. Uh, the wrath is often ignored or disregarded because it's not immediate, but it is to come. Uh, it's not any less certain just because it is delayed and is to come. Wrath is terrible when it comes because it's God's wrath. And wrath cannot be stood against. The only way to survive it is to successfully flee. So John was going to tell them how to do that. He said to, to flee implies an immediate action, swift action, and a straight movement with no diversions. So, um, and the next part of it, do not think to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. Uh, so what, what's happening in that verse is John's warning them to stop trusting their Jewish heritage. And because they must truly repent. Um, it was a widespread belief at the time that, uh, that Abraham's merits were plenty for any Jew's salvation and that a Jewish person couldn't go to hell. 
And John points out that these Pharisees and Sadducees are of a different family. They're the brood of vipers, meaning a family associated with serpents. You know, it, this was a, a lot of the things that John the Baptist was preaching was turning a lot of things on their head. The Jews had never thought, they were like, we're descendants of Abraham. What are you talking about? You know, here, this is very different. Um, the part where it says here, even now the axe is laid at the foot of the trees. Um, uh, the, 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 what, what it's talking about there is, uh, when a woodcutter would, uh, uh, would, uh, would, would mark a tree for, for pulling out of the, uh, the ground, he would lay its axe at the root and then he would strip off his garments so that he could get his, you know, he could really plow the axe into it and make his work more quickly performed. And this is actually uh, probably, there's, there's two meanings to this message, um, because the, the, the immediate application was probably the impending destruction of the Jewish nation. It, um, when John says, you know, from John's perspective, when he was saying, even now, he literally meant already, the, that, the, the axe lies at the foot of the tree. Uh, Jerusalem's fall was in AD 70. It was very, very near, and it foreshadowed the final judgment. So, 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 so John the Baptist is kind of, you know, foreshadowing, like, you know, you know, the destruction is near, you know, you prepare yourselves. Um, and, and, uh, um, so there, and then there was, uh, and so John was there not to do any more pruning or trimming work. He was there to handle the axe and, 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 and fell every, uh, worthless tree. Uh, let's see here. And do Let's go to the next verse, please. Next slide. And as for me, I baptize you um, with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, and I am not fit to remove his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and, uh, and fire. His winnowing, uh, his winnowing fork in his hand, he will gather his wheat into the barn, and he will burn up the chaff in an unquenchable fire. So, uh, oh, sorry. There we go. Um, this is kind of the the um, the message of of John. Uh, he's talking about uh, the I need to baptize you with water and to repentance. John's baptism was was one of repentance, and so it's not identical to Christian baptism or baptism into Christ, which includes a demonstration of repentance and cleansing, but also recognize the believers identification with Jesus' death, burial, and, and resurrection. Um, the part where it says, uh, whose sandals I am not fit to carry, to carry John is, in, in this, recognizing where he stands in relation to Jesus. Um, he did not consider himself above whom he called to repentance, and he knew where he stood. In saying this, he put himself lower to Jesus than a normal disciple of a normal rabbi. So a rabbi's disciple was expected to, to act virtually as his master's slave. And, and to remove the shoes was, was too low of a task, even for a disciple. A disciple could not go to the rabbi to even take off his sandals. That's, that's, how, uh, uh, um, the, the, that's why he's using that, the, the, the description there. Um, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out the threshing floor. And there, John wants to prepare them for the Messiah's coming because there's judgment is coming. Um, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a promising, a promised outpouring of the Spirit uh, uh, that's going to be coming with the new covenant. And 
And fire, to baptize with fire means to bring the fires of judgment, which is going to purify and destroy the wicked like chaff. Chaff is like a worthless residue uh, of a wheat stalk after you take the kernel out for the grain. Um, and the, the uh, proud and unrepentant leaders, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they were useless to God. They were, being, they were like chaff. And so they were gonna, they're gonna be puri- they were going to be purified by fire. Um, but purification by fire is also a prophetic hope because what that means is that there's going to be real cleansing uh, um, uh, that's coming. The uh, winnowing fork, what they would do is, is when, the, when, the, when they're trying to harvest the grain, you have all this worthless chaff mixed in. They had to have a method to separate that. And so they would take a tool called a winnowing fork, and they would scoop all the stuff, and they would throw it into the air. It would, it would allow them to pull it up into the air, and the, and the wind would blow the chaff away because it's very light, and the heavier grain would fall to the floor. And then they would pick that up, and they would harvest that, and then they would sweep up the chaff, and they would burn it. And so um, and after the threshing floor was cleared. So the, so the Jewish leaders thought that the Messiah would come um, in judgment, but only against Israel's enemies. And they were blind in the self-righteous confidence that only others needed to get right with God. Uh, so uh, 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 so tying all this back in, uh, John the Baptist's uh, uh, message was one of trying to, to, to bring uh, a new hope to the people there that we can take that, that, that message of, of, of God's mercy uh, because we're all, the Jewish people didn't realize they're deserving of judgment. We're deserving of judgment. And, and God um, is wanting to extend his mercy to, to give us a, a, eternal life and, and, to not have, and not to experience a, ju- a judgment through his son, uh, uh, Jesus. And so with that, I'm, I'm, going to, I'm, going to, I'm going to close. I'd like you to take a moment to reflect on God's mercy um, uh, to us, uh, give a chance to practice Advent right now. And, um, uh, you know, we will have folks up here to extend kindness to you and pray with you. Um, uh, I don't want you to forget your kids uh, out there. And may God bless you as you wait, him, wait for him. I'm just going to close with a prayer. Heavenly Father, um, we thank you for um, your loving kindness, for your mercy this week. Lord, I would pray that uh, as we leave here uh, today, uh, that we would have a chance to, to wait on you, Heavenly Father, uh, with, the, uh, with, with the same expectation that, that the Jewish people did for their Messiah. Um, and uh, Lord, I just ask that uh, you would uh, bless this week, and uh, we just give you... Uh, Thanks for your son, Jesus, uh, in your name. Amen. Thank you very much, everyone. Have a blessed week.